Here's a question for a hot summer's day. Did early Maritimers go to the beach? You're listening to Backyard History, the hidden stories that happened in your own backyard. The podcast version of the weekly history column running in newspapers across the Maritimes with your host and author, Andrew McLean. First, it's pretty easy for us to answer the question over whether Maritimers would have gone to our beautiful oceanside beaches on a hot summer day. No, absolutely not. Surprisingly consistently, throughout human history, across different cultures all around the world, very few people would go swimming in the ocean until about a century ago. After all, If you think about it, oceans are dark, they're foreboding, they're dangerous. People died in oceans. Monstrous creatures washed up from them. Before the mid-1800s, on the beach was an expression meaning being desperately poor. People back then would find our scenes of packed beaches at Kujibaquack and New River Beach being utterly incomprehensible. They wouldn't understand why people would be hanging out on there on purpose for fun. Swimming in a lake though, that's a different question. Before Europeans arrived, the Mi'kmaq, Willistook, and Passamaquoddy peoples were very comfortable being in the water. They diligently kept themselves clean by bathing frequently in lakes and rivers, and likely also swam for fun on hot summer days. Europeans, by contrast, were distinctly more averse to going into the water at all, either to swim and certainly not to bathe. When Samuel de Champlain's French explorers arrived in the Maritimes in May of 1604, the Mi'kmaq weren't surprised. There had been a legend that blue-eyed people from faraway lands to the east would arrive and disrupt their way of life. If their arrival didn't surprise the Mi'kmaq, the Europeans' personal hygiene standards certainly did. The Europeans didn't care for their teeth at all, while the Mi'kmaq chewed wood to clean their teeth. They chewed mint to keep their breath nice and fresh, and they whitened their teeth with charcoal. It was shocking to them that the Europeans carried their mucus around with them in used handkerchiefs. But the biggest surprise for them was that the Europeans didn't bathe, ever. Uniformly across the continent, Europeans were against submerging themselves in water. They considered that to be unhealthy, and also immodest. The Europeans, rich and poor alike, thought that as long as they wore clean underwear, they were clean people. King Louis XIV was said to have taken only three baths in his entire life. So, the settlers were not going swimming. Not in 1604, and not for the next two and a half centuries. Ideas of the beach, swimming, and the ocean changed really quickly with industrialization, beginning in the early 1800s in Britain and spreading quickly around the world, including to the Maritimes. By then, life was much more secure and more prosperous in New Brunswick than it had ever been before. Cities were growing, food was secure, there was industrial growth, and there was a massive and very lucrative shipbuilding sector. Travel. In summer, in steamships that cruised along the rivers, was faster than ever. 
and it was actually relatively financially accessible to travel, even for lower-income people. Nature, for the first time, began to be seen by the settlers as something that was not actively trying to kill them. Rather, nature and the ocean began to be seen as something purifying, something good for the soul, unlike their filthy cities. In New Brunswick, the new attitude was perhaps best exemplified by Fredericton's photographer George Thomas Taylor. He, along with his indigenous guides from St. Mary's and Tabique, traveled all over untouched New Brunswick, taking photographs with his homemade camera of its natural beauty and of its people. Prints of his photographs of nature were very popular and sold very well. Around this time, foreigners once again appeared on the maritime shores, this time coming from the south, wealthy American tourists. They came from Boston and New York City to escape the dirt and the smog, and they arrived in places like St. Andrews by the sea. They wanted to spend time on the beach, and they wanted to eat lobster, two things that New Brunswickers firmly associated with poverty. Just as the Europeans' customs were bewildering to the Mi'kmaq, the Americans' tastes and desires were mystifying to the Maritimers. <laughs> no self-respecting white New Brunswicker would eat lobster if they could afford not to. However, the locals were more than willing to accept the Americans' money. Soon, wealthier New Brunswickers began following the American tourist lead and also began going to the beach for fun. Between the 1890s through to the beginning of the First World War, wealthier people from Fredericton and St. John might make long expeditions to places like St. Martin's simply to enjoy the beach. They would dress up in fine clothes, the men would be in suits and the women would be in full dresses that went down to their ankles, and they'd have picnics, they'd walk around on the beach and perhaps they'd fly a kite, sometimes groups of them would play croquet, sometimes they would even eat a hated lobster. They would bake them on hot rocks covered in seaweed right on the beach, and that was the technique that was learned from the indigenous people. However, they were still suspicious of swimming. But these rich people became so enamored with the beach life, the railways were built to places like St. Andrews. It was now home to luxury resorts like the famous Algonquin, which was completed in 1889. These railways meant that it became possible for middle-income maritimers to go on trips to beaches, too. The average maritimer likely couldn't afford to stay at the luxurious Algonquin, but there were more accessible resorts in St. Andrews, or even on inland lakes like Lake Utopia that they could stay at. Even so, we still have to jump years into the future to find the average New Brunswicker enjoying the beach on a hot summer's day. The First World War shattered the old world, and its fashions, its tastes, and its attitudes, everything completely changed very quickly in the 1920s. In that decade, New Brunswick became something of a hotspot of American tourism, attracting big sports stars like Babe Ruth and silent film actors who came to New Brunswick to go hunting and fishing. New Brunswick becoming a tourist hotspot was almost entirely due to one man named Doug Black who single-handedly promoted the province's natural wonders, including its beaches, to the owners of a new innovation that was suddenly attainable to the average person, the automobile. Only about one century ago marked the first time the average New Brunswicker had the security, spare money, and free time to enjoy going to a beach 
on a hot summer's day. For the first time in the late 1920s and the early 1930s, you could drive your car to the same oceanside beaches in New Brunswick that we go to today. There, you would find familiar parking lots filled with cars and get out to see beaches filled with people in bathing suits, hanging out on a beach and playing in the water on hot summer's days. While back then, the roads were considerably worse, the cars very different and the swimsuits distinctly less revealing. Although you might be surprised at just how revealing they were back in the wild 1920s. You would finally be able to recognize the culture of going to the beach being exactly the same then as it is today. That was Backyard History with your host, Andrew McLean. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for another hidden story that happened in your own backyard. Produced by Jordan Lozier.